0: So, yes, if you have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be uh, continuing in this armor of God. Um, little series, mini-series, whatever you want to call it. And then, um, and, and, and I should say, not then, but as we do this, I want to throw out a disclosure real quick. Uh, we could spend, and some of you know this, others you probably might not, maybe you will now. Um, we could spend months literally, in unpacking the armor of God. So I I don't want you all to think that uh, we're just going to take, it's not important because of the time that we spend on this, um, because that's not the case. We are going to spend, I'm going to start today, we're going to start talking about the different pieces of the armor of God. I'm not going to go into great detail. Uh, In in the future, I do want to do a a very long, drawn-out series on the armor of God, each piece and everything. But today, what I want to do is I want to make it, uh, um, I I want to present the armor of God in a way that is um, concise enough that we can start to, we can remember it, and then we can start to meditate upon it continually. And then, when we uh, approach this subject again, probably in about a year, or so, um, we'll have a, a little bit of a foundation that we can then build upon. So there is a method to uh, my madness in all of this. And so um, with that, let's, uh, let's read, because you're already there and I'm not. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read the, the, the whole, um, this whole section here. Again, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, This is where we started last week. This is where we um, uh, started to identify how we are to stand uh, being uh, believers, being brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So we're to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Talk more about that today. But it says, Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Last week, we really unpacked a bunch of different schemes or strategies of the devil. Um, If you missed last week and you want to catch up on that, uh, the sermon will be up probably tomorrow or the next day. I I fell behind this week, so forgive me. Um, You you have to because I asked. but. you really don't. But uh, we talked about these strategies, the, the strategies that the devil uses, and we really focused on temptations and accusations. And we kind of unpacked all of this to, to show how real these truly are. No one in here, if they, they're sitting in here and they, are, they um, wave the flag of Jesus, so they're saying, I'm a Christian, um, is, is going to not face spiritual warfare. You will face spiritual warfare. It's how you deal with it. Um, and that was really the focus last week. But it says here, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, love those words, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." So that's where we, we, we uh, ended last week was on verse uh, 13 where he says, having done all this by taking up the whole armor of God, that's when you are to stand firm. And then he goes into uh, breaking this down. For, for, verse 14, stand therefore. So standing uh, is a really important thing here. Would you not say? He keeps saying the same, same word over and over and over again. That should, A flag should go, a buzzer should go off in our, in our mind saying, okay, this is important. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All right, so we went back through this, and we understand that... the, the Apostle Paul here, uh, in, in the book of Ephesians, he's been given, a, a, um, he, he, what he's been doing, has been giving um, some instructions on how we are to live as believers in Jesus Christ. It, it goes back uh, a few chapters before, and he says that we are to walk a certain way. He even says we're to talk a certain way. Now, let me say this. This is not this self-righteousness that, oh, that, that, well, we, we're, we're better than everybody else and that we look down on people. No, there's got to be something that is visible about us as believers in Jesus Christ that sets us apart from the world. Because we are set apart for holy use. That's what these words like sanctification uh, mean or consecration means, is we're set apart for holy use. And so what the Apostle Paul does is he explains all of that. So he's given instructions on how we are to act as believers in Jesus Christ. And he's wrapping this all up here with this exhortation of saying, okay, so this this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're gonna do it. So it's kind of one of those things where I can tell my son, um, all right, you, you don't act like this and don't do this and what, whatever, but not explain to him like how to accomplish this. I, I can give Gabe a basketball and say, here, you see that, that hoop over there? That's how you score points. Good luck. Right? And he may take the ball and start kicking it or take a baseball bat and start trying to hit it through. But if I don't, probably would be the bat thing, because you get to hit things, right? So, but if I don't take the time to explain to him, this is how you do it, and actually, it probably wouldn't be me. It'd have to be my, my dad, because I'm not a basketball guy. But anywho, um, it, it would, if, if we didn't take the time to explain to him how to do this properly, um, if he were in a basketball game, he wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to score any points. So in the same sense, I know that maybe that's a, a stretch in, in illustration, but I think it, it can bring to light what it is that the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's saying this is how you're to live, and I'm being very vague on this because here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and read all of this. Go back and read. There's six chapters in Ephesians. It, it, you can read it in a sitting or, or make, break it up over days. I don't care. But go back and see what did he say. This: How, how are we supposed to, to live? And then he says, okay, this is how you're going to do it. This is where the armor of God comes in and is so very paramount. Because he says here that we're to be strong in the Lord, but how are we to do that? We're to do that in the strength of his might. And as we are told to stand, he gives us six pieces of the armor of God. Um, My goal is to to start in on uh, the the, the pieces of the armor. I, I want to get through I want I want to get through three of them today. I want to get through the, the the belt, the breastplate, and then the shoes. But we'll see how how the Spirit moves, and we'll see where, where God takes us with this. So, verse fourteen. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Pause. Um, some people will say that the order in which the, these, uh, the, these pieces of of armor of the armor of God are presented is vitally important. Um, some will say it doesn't matter, but he, here's the deal. What I want us to, to kind of wrap our minds around is not, let's look at lists and, and try to say, well, this one was first, so it's, it's of first importance. Let, let's understand this. What Paul is saying is um, that we're able to stand when we have all of the armor of God on. So all of the armor of God is important. He just, obviously, because when you describe something, you got to start somewhere. So he says here to fasten on the belt of truth. Well, what I want us to understand is the belt of truth is, it is very important. Truth is important. Why is truth important? I was thinking about this this week, kind of just, you know, wondering why, why or how we should expound on this, the importance of truth. Well, truth gives us a foundation. If we don't have a foundation, how are we supposed to build anything at all? We talked a few weeks ago about having the proper foundation because Jesus gives a parable of the the man who um, dug down deep to the bedrock and laid a foundation and he built his house on top of that. That's what the truth is. The truth gives us this foundation. Without the truth, we have no foundation. Without the truth, what, what happens is when life hits us, our house crumbles, so we have to have this truth, this, this belt of, uh, of truth. I, I think that it, it, it's, um, it's always uh, fun to, to uh, kind of put um, a, a, a picture in with these words that we hear from Scripture. So uh, as I was looking through and studying for, for this, I, I found a picture of the belt of truth. Um, and I couldn't figure out how to put it up on the screen because I just couldn't. Just bear with me. I'll try to explain it the best I can. This uh, belt of truth, what we understand, this belt of truth being, it's a leather belt that would go around the, the waist of, uh, of, a, of a soldier. Remember, when, when Paul, Paul was intimately um, involved with the Roman guard, he was in chains. Uh, how, how do we know that? Well, I, I do believe it just says right here, I'm an ambassador in chains. As he's writing this, we can envision him looking at a Roman soldier and seeing these different pieces of armor. Now, what we don't want to do is say that, okay, that's why he's using this illustration of the armor of God, because he's looking at this Roman soldier and, oh, he's got armor on, he goes into battle, so I'm going to just use that figuratively to explain something. No, what we need to understand is the Apostle Paul is not just doing that. He's actually taking from the book of Isaiah and he's explaining um, the armor of God, uh, the armor of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Well, we understand Yahweh in the Old Testament, that's, that's, that's God, that's the, the, the um, Israelites' God. That's, that's, um, we understand that, that's our God, so don't, don't get confused. Yahweh's armor that Yahweh used in battle is the armor in which we are getting. It gives me chills just to even think about this. The way in which God is arming us for battle is he's taking his armor and putting it, putting it on us. So when we see this and we, we see uh, this, this um, belt of truth, we understand and we, we have to understand that this belt of truth um, is not just a belt to hold somebody's pants up. Did it have purposes of, of carrying some of the weapons? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to see that the, the sword um, would be attached to the belt. They would have a dagger on there. Um, they may have even a, a, a pouch of, of water, a skin of water. It, it, there could be many things that are attached to this belt. But one important thing that, that I like to, to uh, uh, visualize and I like to, to uh, talk about when talking about the belt of truth is that there are these uh, leather straps that hung down the front. So think of, you know, maybe two-inch-ish, inch inch and a half to two-inch leather straps that hung down the front. And on these leather straps, there was like brass on these leather straps. And there would be, you know, I don't know, maybe six or eight of these leather straps. So it would kind of almost look like, make it look like an apron. But what it did is it hung down in the front for a reason, to protect certain areas. Okay? We got the picture? Well, to protect, and this is where I'm going to go out on, 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 my, uh, on, the, on my little tangent, because I, I think that when we're talking about the belt of truth and we're, we're seeing what it protects, the, the, the reproductive organs, okay? To reproduce disciples of Christ, we need to understand that we build that upon the truth, okay? Okay? See how you bring that in there? The belt of truth, it has an importance. It has this foundation that we have to understand because that's what we're going to, we as believers, build our belief, our faith upon the truth. If it's not built upon the truth, we don't have anything. So with this, what I want us to do is understand what truth is and understand this. There was this guy who said these things, died on this cross, rose from the dead. His name was Jesus, right? Everybody know who I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay. Just making sure you're awake. So Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here's what I want us to do just to get our minds wrapped around the belt of truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Are there many other operational functions about this belt in battle? Absolutely. We'll discuss all those in the future to come. But what I want us to understand is Jesus is the truth. Why is he the truth? Because he says so. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I think that it's also important, so if we're understanding Jesus to be the truth, what I love about the Apostle Paul is, one, sometimes he's hard to understand. Okay, even Peter said that. Another one of the dudes who wrote the Bible says, you know, Paul, he's kind of hard to understand sometimes, but here's what we got to do. So, what I, what I love about Paul is he brings um, theology together. He brings, um, uh, 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 he'll, he'll talk about specific instances in one book, but even in another book he'll refer to, to these certain instances or truths or situations. Well, one of the truths that, that he refers to in the book of Romans in the first chapter is truth itself. So when we're talking about this, this belt of truth I think it's important to kind of identify what happens when we don't have this belt of truth on. Turn to Romans chapter 1 real quick. Turn, so you're going to turn to your left. If you get to the Gospels, you went too far. The Apostle Paul makes clear what happens when we don't have truth. He says in verse 25... He's what he, here he's talking about these people who are living in sin and their, their lives are just overwhelmed and it's just utter debauchery that's taken place. Verse 25 says, because, so it's indicating this is why, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I believe this a hundred percent. What our problem is, and I'm not when I say our, our, our country, okay. What our problem is as a people, and it does kind of permeate into it, it, it. It's in the church as well, is that we worship the creature, or we worship created things, and not the creator. What we do is we elevate stuff. Over God. And, and this is what, what Paul is saying here. He says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather, rather than the creator. When we elevate things above God, I don't care. I'll be the guy, you know me, I don't, I don't care. If you elevate your wife, if you elevate your kids, you elevate your job, you can keep on going. Your car, your truck, your whatever, your tractor, even though it's sexy. You know, anything that you elevate over God, anything that you elevate over God, what you're doing, that's called idolatry. Here, it's very very clear that that is what corrupts the mind, is that we're exchanging the truth. The truth is that God is the one to be worshiped. Here's another thing. It's not the church. It's not the good looking pastor. It's not his beautiful bald friend or his big whiny one up here in the front. I want to hit him in the shoulder. No, it's God. We're to worship him. We're to keep him elevated in all that we do in our lives. Because when we exchange the worship of God for the worship of other things, what we're doing is we're believing a lie a lie that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The, the, the serpent, we talked about this in Sunday School, guys. Uh, the serpent came and he deceived Adam and Eve. And he said, well, you know what? Did, what? did God really say? That's how it always starts, right? How many of those conversations have you, have you had with people that, that, that you know? Does the Bible really say and blah, 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 blah? That's what the devil did. Did, did God really say that you're, you know, you're going to die? Come on now. Did he really say that? You know, what happened was that God really just doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he just doesn't want what's best for you, which we know that's a lie. We know that that, that man and woman, mankind was created in, in the image of God and in the likeness of God. So, when the devil comes and attacks, he's, he's just deceiving them. He's getting, he's trying, he did. He, he was successful as well. He, he successfully got um, Adam and Eve to take their, their eyes off of God and put it on themselves. Again, when we elevate ourselves over, if we elevate the worship of ourselves over the worship of God, we got a problem. This, Paul's very clear on it here. So this, this understanding of the belt of truth, we have to understand the focus of that truth, and that's why I said Jesus is the truth. He says that we're, he, he's told his disciples, he's told his church that I, what I want you to do is teach, um, make disciples by teaching them all that I have commanded you. Teaching them the truth. Not teaching them, well, Well, you can do it this way or you can do it that way. You can do whatever fits you best. It's called compromise. Too many times, there's too many churches that compromise. I don't ever want to be that. I don't ever want to be something that we're going to compromise the truth of God's word just so somebody doesn't get their toes stepped on. Had a conversation with a friend of mine um, about this. And it was a how do you how do you uh, wrestle with that? This is a question he asked me. How do you wrestle with you know telling the truth and understanding that you are going to offend someone? I said this. Well, if I don't tell the truth, I'm offending God. I would much rather offend Jake than offend God. I would much rather offend someone. here. And it's not that like, I'm gonna set out on, on, a, on a task to offend someone. But at the end of the day, my eternity doesn't, doesn't rest in the hands of my beautiful, bald friend. My eternity rests in the, it rests in the hands of God. So I wanna make sure that, that if I'm, hey, if I'm gonna offend anybody, it's gonna be y'all, because I don't wanna offend him. And that's the mindset in which we should have. That doesn't make us self-righteous. What that means is that it makes us very vulnerable. Because God sees everything. He hears everything. In Sunday school, we talked about the, the, the illustration that I use. Jesus is standing right here. Jesus is the truth. He's standing with you always if you are a believer in Christ. And if you're a believer in Christ, he's with you always. Remember that when you're talking to your wife or your husband, or your kids, or your boss, or whoever. Remember that when you're sitting at the computer doing things you probably shouldn't be doing. Remember that when, and I could go on, and on, and on, and on, remember that. Here's the thing, too. None of you nudge your husband or your wife here because when you do that, shame on you because you're saying, hey, your sin's greater than mine. That's, that's crap. Sin is sin. God hates sin. Don't try, to, don't try to identify someone else's. Let's rest in the truth of his word. It's true said he's died for all sins. All sins have been paid for. But all sins, you need to ask for forgiveness for, for those sins. So don't be the self-righteous one sitting here and just kind of, yeah, Jake, you really need to work on that. Yeah, the preacher was talking right to you. <laughs> no. I, I, here, confession, preacher's talking to preacher, okay? Because there are things that I, I, I need to make sure I'm focusing on the truth. This is a beautiful part about the truth. It's kind of like the, uh, the Secret Service when they um, are, are, are investigating counterfeit money. Some of you know the way in which they, they train to investigate counterfeit money is they, they study the real stuff. So when the fake stuff comes along, they can easily identify it. That's how we're supposed to be with the truth. We need to study the truth so when the fake comes, we don't have to to waste our time trying to figure out, is this true or not? No, we know what the truth is so we can easily identify the false. So when Paul is talking in in Romans 6, he's saying, put on this belt of truth. Having put this on, this is going to be one of the pieces of equipment for the armor, armor of God. You cannot forget the belt of truth. Because when we forget truth, what we do is what he says there in Romans chapter 1. We exchange the truth about God and we worship the creation and not the creator. That's not where we want to be. Because at the end, when we stand in judgment, we're to look at our creator and that's where our worship is to be on him, not the stuff in which we got. Don't hear me, stuff ain't bad, right? God God blesses us, and what we need to do is we need to levy what he has blessed us with to worship him. Use what you got. The slogan in in society is, you know, give back. That didn't start with with man. That started with God. He's blessed us, so he's blessed us so we can be a blessing. I'll I'll move past that. Let's go to the the next one. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter six. It says, "Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth." Well, I, I hope I made my point here that Jesus is the truth. We need to make sure that we fasten on the truth. If we don't, we're, we're going to we're going to encounter some things that we're going to, it's going to be difficult. That if we don't have the truth, we we um we're going to fall. Next thing it says, "And having put on the breastplate of righteousness." Again, Paul's sitting there in, this, in a Roman prison. He looks at the garden. He sees he does have a breastplate of righteousness on. But all that does is remind him what the, what the prophet Isaiah said about the, the righteousness of God, of Yahweh, Yahweh's breastplate of righteousness. So Paul here, he, he's explaining, he says that we need to put on this breastplate of, of righteousness I think that uh, the 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 most concise, most focused text that we can really get a full understanding of this, of putting on of the righteousness of God, is 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one. Turn there, back to the left. So Paul says we're having put on the the, the breastplate of righteousness, we need to look at what what is this righteousness. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, pause. (laughs) Whose sake? Okay, let's do it one more time because I want you to to really, 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 really hear hear this. For for whose sake? Our sake so when we read this text, read it like like, like this for Lee's sake, for Jake's sake, enter your name in, in here for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we, same thing as ours, we Lee might become the righteousness of God. Again, For our sake, he, this is God the Father, made him, God the Son, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This is what the great uh, reformer Martin Luther said. He, He identified this as the great exchange. Our sinfulness is right here. Jesus' righteousness is right here. So if our sinfulness is here and Jesus' righteousness is here, what he's done is he's exchanged our sinfulness for his righteousness. And the way in which we are viewed then, if we put on this breastplate of righteousness, this is called imputed righteousness. This is righteousness is given to when we put on this breastplate of righteousness, when we have this, bre- this righteousness of God, what we have then is when the Father looks down on us, he sees the Son. Think about that for a moment. And it's all for, for us. Yeah, you can be personal here and say, yeah, Jesus died for me. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This righteousness is a beautiful, beautiful thing. This righteousness righteousness is not only a one-time thing. This is a righteousness that we are to walk in. It is a rightness before God. So since we have right standing before God... Since we get, have put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, we need to walk with the, the breastplate of righteousness. Make sense? We put it on, let's walk as if we have it on. Let's not just put on the, the breastplate of righteousness and walk around with our, our chest poked out And saying, yeah, throw anything you got at me. I got the breastplate of righteousness on. I'm invincible. That's ignorant. And that'd be like me throwing a flak jacket on and running out in the middle of the battlefield and saying, hey, test it. (laughs) Right? Now, what we understand is the breastplate of righteousness, the the, the devil can't penetrate that. But that doesn't give us the the, the right to, to live a sinful life. And I think that that's what happens. I've got this breastplate on so I can live however I want. The Bible doesn't say that. Actually, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians that um, don't let your freedom in Christ be a, a, a license to sin. Does it mean that we're gonna live perfectly? No, it's gonna mean that I, I know that I, I'm covered by the blood of Christ um, and, and that, that I wear this breastplate of righteousness, but then when I do sin, I need to repent of that sin. Because this righteousness is what people see. Not self-righteousness, not that. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So as Jesus is the truth, Jesus is a righteous, our righteousness as well. He is who we're to put on. When Paul talks in Colossians about put on the new self, we are to put on Jesus. When we put on Jesus, our lives are different. If we sit here and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer, but my life isn't any different than from before... I'll ask, have you put on Jesus? You you, you got to, because if if not, you're going to be standing on on the battlefield exposed. You're going to be one of those easy targets. One flaming arrow is going to come and just penetrate right into your heart. Look at the breastplate. What what, what organs does it cover? (laughs) All of them. All of our, what do they call these organs? Our vital organs? The righteousness of God that has been given to us through the the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that's what covers us. That's what, what guards our heart. When the Bible tells us that we're to keep alert, we're to be on guard, we're to guard our heart, how we do that is because we are clothed with the righteousness of God. It's falling back into understanding that it's only his righteousness that covers us. It's not our good deeds. It's not the good things that I've done. Well, I'm a good person, so I'm going to, obviously, you know, God loves me. You know what's wrong with that? The Bible. The Bible says that it's not, it's not anything good in which you've done. It's the great thing. It's a good thing in which Jesus has done. So it's not as if... We could do a whole bunch of good deeds and they're going to outweigh our bad deeds. It doesn't work that way. Turn over here. This is, it won't come up, but turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 because Paul, knowing this, says this in verse 8. 2 8. Some of you know this by heart, but most people, they, they, they stop after, at the end of verse 8. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Pause. Can we, um, can we achieve God's grace? No. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So the way in which we are able to have faith, which is, that's, that's dependent. That's, that's what we have. We have faith. The way in which we're able to have faith is by the grace of God. Not by how many good things that you have done, not by how much money you put in the offering plate, not by how much service hours you give, not by how many people you bring to church, not by, not by any of that. Are those good things? Yes, those are good things. But it's by the grace of God. You've been given something that you don't deserve, that I don't deserve. He says this, it is a gift, the gift of God, not a result of works. Not a result of works. We're clothed with the breastplate of righteousness. We're clothed but with Jesus, not because of something we have done, but because of what he has accomplished. That's how we can stand up against anything. That's how I can tell my friend when he asks me, what happens if you offend someone? Well, because I've got the breastplate of righteousness on. It's not my good works that are going to get me into heaven. The Bible is very, 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 very clear about that. Our society has muddied that down saying, if you're just a good person, we have a loving God and he'll let you in. Come on. God really does, he doesn't really want you to spend eternity in in, in hell. You're not surely going to die. Sound familiar? No, we do have a loving God, but we also have a righteous God, a wrathful God as well. God's righteousness demands obedience. We don't have a choice. Like, I'm going to be obedient in this area, not in this. We don't have that choice. Because when we have the choice, like, I'm going to pick and choose. I want to listen to God here, but I'm not going to listen to him there. He's not Lord of overall in your life. That's hard because we're individuals. American dream is I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. No. Again, the problem with that is the Bible. God's clear. So he says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I love this because if it were, if we could work our way into heaven, like good works would get you into heaven, heaven would be a terrible place. I, I'll just say this. I've hung out with with plenty of of guys. We'll just pick on the guys here. I've hung out with plenty of guys, and when you get a bunch of guys together telling stories, what do you do? Yeah, oh, oh, that's a good story, but this, this one time I did this. Oh, yeah, but guess what I did? It goes back and forth. Could you imagine if works is what got us into heaven, how heaven would be? Everybody's standing around at the pearly gates. Yeah, how'd you get here? Well, you know. I saved 18 puppy dogs. I let the cats go to hell, but I saved 18 puppy dogs. I, I, but I'm, seriously, it would be a, a time where people would just like, my works are better than your works. No, it's a beautiful thing that it's because of his works that we can't boast in that. We can't boast, I say, when I say that, we can't boast in our own self. What we can do is we can boast in him. That's the the, the righteousness of God. That's the the breastplate in which we're to put on. So when we do face these battles, this spiritual warfare, like we talked about last week, when we do face this, we can face it confidently. Even when we just these two alone, I'm not saying that we enter into battle with just the belt and just the breastplate on. But this gives us is already building our confidence, knowing I know the truth. I'm going to live in the truth, and I'm going to understand that I'm living in Christ. Christ is is covering me so I can face anything. I think that's a good place to stop this week. We'll continue. We'll pick up next week with the the gospel, and then we'll we'll get into the shield of faith. But what I want us to understand is the importance of all of this. We live in a world in in, in a time that the, the spiritual attacks are getting greater and greater and greater and greater and greater and greater. That means we need to equip more and more and more and more and more. All right, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, we love you, uh, Lord, my, my prayer is that um, as um, we've opened your word and we've started to uh, unpack just on the, the just scratch in the surface of your armor that, that, that we have been given. Uh, Lord, my prayer is that we can see you and we can come to you as as the the writer of Hebrews says that we can draw near to your throne, to the throne of grace. Because when when times are are tough and when things are coming at us, we need to understand that we have what it takes to face anything that the enemy throws at us. Lord Jesus, we, we ask that we can focus on you and everything, that we can put you and keep you um, a, a, as number one, as paramount as our object of worship and not uh, believe a lie and worship the creation, but we're, we're worshiping you, the creator. Father, as we get ready to celebrate uh, in baptism, uh, my, my prayer is that... Um, We understand that this is an outward expression of what has been done on the inside, of this transformation that's been done on the inside. And it's it's an expression, um, not only that we're we're, uh, being baptized into your family, that we're, we're recognizing and we're identifying with our local body and our brothers and sisters that are sitting here. And we're displaying, hey, I'm in it. I'm ready to be in battle with you against the enemy. Father, if there's someone here that does not know you, my prayer is that you stir something inside of of them. That as you stir something inside of them, that they have the the courage to to talk to someone. Whether it's me or or another leader or or someone, another brother, another sister, where they can say, man, I I just, I want the confidence. I want to, to be clothed with the armor of God, to be equipped with the armor of God, because I'm facing some crazy battles. And Lord, as, as your, your word says that we need to stand beside, we need to help bear one another's burden through these times. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Spirit, we ask that you just continue to fill us and that you continue to stir us um, as we continue in worship. praise in your name, Jesus. Amen.